Welcome to Good Together, where small daily steps allow us to create good in the world together. I'm your co-host, Laura Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly.eco, a platform that empowers you to make a daily difference through shopping, learning, and connecting with other change makers around the world. Hello and welcome to Good Together. I'm your host, Laura Alexander Wittig, the CEO and co-founder of Brightly.eco, a platform that inspired this podcast. So if you haven't had a chance, we would love for you to go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts so that more people can find out about Good Together if you've been enjoying the content we've been putting out. Lisa and I are super excited to talk with you today about ethical travel, Everything from getting on an airplane to understanding more about carbon offsets, um, you know, how to support local economies when traveling, etc. So we're we're really excited. Uh, A few things I want to cover. Don't forget that you can go to podcast.brightly.eco where you can find show notes, resources, um, and we even have a new feature where you can actually call in, leave us a voice message, and we will showcase your question on an upcoming episode. So go ahead and try that out. Uh, If you were listening to our last episode, you'll know that we also announced that we'll be doing our first live podcast recording at Good Together Live on October 13th in San Francisco. It'll be a fun time where you can come make some new friends that share your values, listen to that podcast episode, and ask questions live with Lisa and I and learn more ethical lifestyle tips from two different panels that we have with experts in ethical fashion, interior design, sustainability, etc. Tickets are on sale now, and you'll find more information and a link on podcast.brightly.eco. Finally, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at brightly.eco or join our Facebook group, which is called Ethical Shopping and Lifestyle Collective. Just type that in the search bar in Facebook. Um, And then you can join in the conversation live. So with that being said, let's get into the next episode. Okay, Um, so we are very, very excited to talk about ethical travel today. It's something that we all do on like, don't we do it like almost on a daily basis, whether or not we're traveling to work or doing like longer trips. I think it's something that people are really interested in hearing about. So we're super excited. So Lisa, you travel a lot. Like I'd be interested to know what you're, what you think of when you think of traveling ethically, like just off the top of your head. Uh, just off the top of my head. I think, um, yes, just to give you perspective, you know, with Globin, we work with artisans all over, over the world. So I did get a chance to travel a little bit, uh, to Africa last year and, uh, to India and Nepal this year. So it's like longer, uh, just like much further destinations, of course. And I think, I mean, one of the first things that came up in my head was actually since I was in India most recently is, you know, like reusable water bottles. But then I was like, wait, in India, we actually did not take, that was like one of the very few cases when you should probably not take your reusable water bottle because, you know, you can only drink uh, bottled water in India to be safe. Uh, So, but in every other case, always have your water bottle with you. Now more and more airports have that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one thing I wanted to mention too, and it's something that I actually used when I went to Thailand um, last year. So you're right that there are areas of the world where it's probably not the best idea to drink um, just just water from from sources that you're not sure where it comes from. However, there are a few different brands of water bottle that have filters built into them. Um, so they're more commonly used for camping. Um, but we, my husband and I used uh, water bottles that were sort of built for camping like that when we were in Thailand. And it was awesome because we didn't have to keep buying plastic bottles and we could just kind of get water from the restaurant or sort of wherever we were. So yeah, it's something that I think people probably don't think about, but it's very useful in, in those cases. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, one more thing that uh, actually it's like very much uh, in line with what we do at Globin and Brightly. Uh, one of the, I think, most popular tips about like sustainable travel is like about choosing souvenirs carefully. You know, you never really know uh, if the person who is selling you the souvenir are they the makers or they're just like resellers. And sometimes a lot of cases, unfortunately, resellers would take advantage of the art Citizens who uh, who might be living in the very remote areas don't have access to the you know big cities and the markets there, uh, so they penny, pay pennies to the artisans and then they resell the souvenirs for a much higher price. So ideally, whenever you can, maybe do a little bit of research. Actually, it will be uh, if you can speak the language of the country where you are at, like to have an actual conversation with the person selling you the souvenirs, right? Uh, learn about them, and you it will be very fairly easy for you to be able to tell if they're the ones who actually made the product or they're just resellers. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I I think that was something that I also thought through as I've been traveling and getting souvenirs. I've asked about where the items are sourced. That's, you know, it's something that can be hard to to really verify, but Mm -hmm. I think is a question we should all be asking and, and, and really thinking about. Exactly. Um, so let's, let's kind of start from the beginning. So let's say that we're planning a trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've packed our bags. Hopefully we're using, um, you know, brands uh, as we pack that are doing things eth- ethically and sustainably. But if not, maybe we're using some well-loved uh, clothing items that we've had for a while, right? Exactly. Um, so then we get to the airport. We're using our reusable water bottle, hopefully, um, and are getting ready to get on the plane and go on our trip. Um, so let's talk a little bit about planes and sort of how they, you know, impact the climate. Um, so one thing, you know, I think that the emissions from people traveling by plane are not to be ignored. Um, I think there, I don't have the statistic in front of me, but it is absolutely one of the leading, um, you know leading causes of um, climate change that you personally can impact, yeah. um, which is making sure that you're not going on as many long haul airline trips um, during the year. And when possible, using, um, you know, trains or using, you know, other trains, buses, etc., other forms of public transportation. Um, I actually read an article that was an op-ed piece in The Guardian, um, which is, is you, you probably know, a British newspaper, um, but the the title of the article was actually called "People Want to Travel More Sustainably, But We Need Help to Do It." So the 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 author, whose name is Michael, um, was basically saying that um, if if we as a you know as a globe want to be able to use more public transportation, we need our governments to help um, by providing more infrastructure. So I think here in the states, that's very apparent. Um, I think. Back in the day, we used to people used to go on Amtrak frequently, but it's very, very under you know 
underutilized, underfunded, um, not run particularly be well. It's it's just it's kind of a mess here, um, especially compared to countries overseas. Oh, yeah. So it's something I want to like call out because people, you know, it's it's one thing to say like take less airline trips. Um, it's another to to be faced with the reality of well, I have a job that requires me to travel a lot. Um, so give me other, you know, other avenues to use. And so it's it's something I think we can't ignore, right? I think we, we need our governments to step oh, up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, one of the things when I moved here to the States uh, and I was in Virginia originally, I was I was shocked and very unused to like the fact that everybody has to have to drive a car. There's absolutely no other way or like, otherwise you have to wait for a bus for 30 minutes at the least um, to get somewhere. So yeah, I think without uh, the you know government like public policies uh, changing on the state or probably most likely city level, um, you know it, it will be very very hard to change the behavior of people if they're not given options. Yeah, absolutely. And like on the other hand, you had that perspective. I grew up um, in Texas where everyone has a car and everything is very mm-hmm. spread out. And you just used to literally, and it's it's hot a lot of the time, so you don't really want to be outside walking. Um, and I remember moving from from Dallas um, to Austin, which Austin had a better bus system, and I was a student there, so I saw a little bit of it there. But then truly moving out to, I, I lived on the East Coast for a little bit, and then the West Coast, and was just blown away at the amount of people who used public transportation. So like, I lived in New York and DC a little bit. I loved using the oh, trains because yeah. to me it was, I don't love driving. I think driving is, you know, it can be stressful, et cetera. So for me, it was like something that I personally like to do. But I remember just living in the bubble that I lived in and thinking like, oh yeah, of course you need a car. Like, and not only do you need a car, pretty much everyone in the household needs a car exactly. because it's just like yeah. how it is. So yeah, you're, you're right. It's it's definitely a mindset shift from the, the part of the individual consumer, but it's also like a government issue. Um, Another thing that Michael mentioned in his op-ed piece, which I thought was interesting, was like taking the government level, um, government intervention to another level. So he actually said um, he thought it would be interesting and useful if um, the United Kingdom banned non-essential domestic flights within Mm. the United Kingdom. So like where there was adequate train um, infrastructure that they should actually no longer allow flights there. So I think it's interesting. I mean, there's going to be a variety of political opinions um, amongst our listeners, amongst me and you, but I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was interesting, like interesting take. Yeah, it's a little bit more radical than I think most people are comfortable with. Uh, But um, yeah, I mean, again, if we're keeping it within reasonable, like if we're we're talking about two, maximum three hours of train ride, uh, um, yeah, I think, I don't know, I would, I don't think I would mind that as much, but I know, you know, it's, it's different for different people. Yeah, for sure. Everybody thinks differently, but I thought it was an interesting take there, whether or not you agree with it or not. Um, okay, so we, we know that, you know, using public transportation when possible is preferred. Um, but when we go on flights, particularly uh, long ones overseas, like what can we do? So one thing that we can do is buy carbon offsets. And I actually literally Googled the question, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> do carbon offsets <laughs> do anything? Um, because it's something where, like, it was interesting, like, I think um, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, you know, mm-hmm. Harry and Meghan, um, they, M- Meghan just uh, just was the guest editor of Vogue in Britain, and they had a whole piece about, um, you know, li- living ethically, living sustainably, and they actually got a lot of flack because 
people um, were commenting and saying, hey, but you guys use exactly, a private jet exactly. all the time. Like, isn't that kind of strange for you to be saying that? And it's interesting. And, and one of the things that people pointed to that are supporters of that couple said, well, they they actually buy a lot of carbon offsets. Um, and that's oftentimes like tip number one you read about when you read about traveling ethically. So anyway, I did a little bit of research on this. And the really quick explanation was um, you know, it's it basically carbon offsets are a form of trade, um, if you think about it that way. So when you buy a carbon offset, you actually fund projects that reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And so that that's what that means. So the projects that we talk about, they, they might do things like restoring forests and planting trees. Um, they might do things like update power plants um, that are running off of, um, you know, of um ethical and sustainable energy sources. Um, the projects also might increase energy efficiency of buildings or transportation. So I thought it was interesting. Like I didn't actually know really what a carbon offset was and what they actually went towards. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting um, fact. You know, I was just looking for, for example, an, an example of a nonprofit or charity or cause that, um, you know, one of um, carbon offset, offsets programs uh, support is, for example, a World Wildlife Fund, right? And it makes sense, you know, <laughs> you kind of, you're destroying the environment a little bit, but you're, you're like, basically what you're trying to do with carbon offset is like get your impact to zero. It's not like to net zero, right? Like you, you just uh, exactly a bunch of negative environmental impact. So you're trying to balance it out with a positive impact, which is, for example, supporting World Wildlife Fund or environmental organizations. You know, another uh, celebrity who got kind of burned about his travel too is Leonardo DiCaprio, who of course I love. Um, but you know, he's the yeah. <laughs> you're such a fan, I know. <laughs> but you know, like, he's amazing. Of course, he does so much work for the environment. You know, he speaks at the UN about the squads, but then everybody's like, but aren't you like flying private jets like every day? Uh hopefully Leo, you are using uh the carbon offset program. Um I will love you even more if you do. <laughs> Well, and I think the thing that is worth saying about Leonardo DiCaprio, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, whoever, like people like to criticize those those celebrities for whatever way possible. And I do think that it's important that they're using their platforms for good, um, whether or not you agree with what their personal lives or whatever. I think it's really important that people who have the public eye use it to advocate for causes that they believe in. So kudos to them. Um, I think it's, it's super important. Um, okay. So we're going down our travel path. Um, you know, one thing that I think you can do while you're on the plane, um, and then we'll get into your actual vacation is making sure that you're helping, um, the flight attendants recycle your waste while you're on the plane. Um, so I, the last time I flew, I got so mad because I literally saw this flight attendant who just did not care. Like she was just putting all the plastic in the non-recycle bin. And so I think it's just one of those things where if you see it happening, just just not calling anyone out, just saying like, oh, hey, is there an opportunity for me to recycle this? And just like, just like being being cognizant of it. Um, I, I also noticed that um, depending on what class you're flying in. Um, so I've had the opportunity to fly first class because I happen to have some random points stored up. Who knows? Um, and when you fly first class, oftentimes they give you your food on, um, you know, nice sil- with with nice silverware on plates that are made of actual, you know, like China or whatever, reusable, uh, you know, economy, utensils. Yeah. Whereas if you sit um, in some of the, the economy classes, a lot of times it's plastic. And so that's something that the airlines, I think, can 
can come together and figure out like they need to do better. I think there's really no excuse for, you know, the use of reusable, um, you know, utensils in one class or the other. I'm sure it's more expensive. Maybe they think it's more expensive to wash stuff. I don't know. But come on, airlines, like do better. Like airlines, there's so many issues, but do better. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, especially like even, okay, I think that I can understand from a marketing perspective, you know, like the first class needs to have the the real stuff and, you know, the rest of the people, you know, folks can do plastic. But like there's so many alternatives, like paper alternatives, either like second use plastic or, you know, fully compostable things, Um, you know, there, there is really no excuse for them. Yeah, exactly. That's silly. All right. So you get off your the plane, you start your vacation, everything's going well. Let's talk about a few things you can do while you're on vacation. So we already talked about you bring, bringing, um, you know, your, your water bottle. So please do that. Um, also, I think it's really important to talk about supporting local businesses. So you talked a little bit about this, about like supporting local artisans when you think about buying, um, you know, buying souvenirs, but like, what about when you're going out to eat? Like, think about like, you know, like you're going to tourist trap, right. And, you know, you see hard rock cafe. Like, I can't tell you how many times I'm in another country and I see like these chains. And I just think to myself, like, you know, I, I know there's a certain, certain type of person who likes to go with what they know. And I can respect that. Like I, as people who, you know, certain people like things that, again, they like to have their habits, you know, they like to be consistent, but I also think it makes a huge difference to go down the alleyway, find that small hole in the wall and support that person who is providing for their family. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, some countries like their whole existence and economy is basically built on tourism. So it's crucially, crucially important. Like Greece, of course, was a great example. You know, when they were in a financial crisis, you know, and the tourists kept coming there, like uh, that hurt them so much, like twice as much as just regular financial crisis that they were experiencing. And then when sl- slowly people started coming back to Greece, you know, like it helps so much people on the ground there. You know, Morocco is another example. It's like economy completely uh, dependent on tourism. But in, in general, I mean, yes, I know everybody prefers different things, but um, it's funny, like, yeah, if you Google sustainable travel, like travel, like be like a local is actually one of the most sustainable uh, things to do just because you we will truly be supporting local economy, not like the Hilton Corporation and things like that. I exactly. Personally, I personally never stay in hotels. And it was not because I'm so sustainable. Actually, I just I love Airbnbs. I, I love staying in other people's houses and um, really kind of getting to know um, how people live you know in like you know exactly people real parisians don't live in hilton they live in like small parisian apartments uh with tons of stairs and that's the local experience but also when you're staying in these local places like with local hosts um or in their bar- private apartment, uh, they actually can share a lot of uh, these tips with you. What are the best a- restaurants in the neighborhood? You know, where you should check out some other spots in the city and things like that. So uh, it makes it uh, that much easier um, to, you know, continue living like a local outside the apartment. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I had the chance to go to Italy recently. And one of the things I was very excited about doing was we stayed in something called an agriturismo. Um, so basically, that is um, their, their, their farms in Tuscany and really actually throughout the country, um, where you can stay on the farm. 
um, in, you know, guest accommodations, much like an Airbnb, but all of the money that you are, you know, giving to the to the farm goes directly back into that farming operation. Um, and it was a um, initiative that was created by the Italian government to help farmers stay in business um, because farming in Italy is such a lifeblood to um, the economy, but also to just like the regular way of life that, that people live. So, you know, a lot of these farms produce wine, table wine and olive oil that the local communities purchase and, and use every day. So I thought that was really interesting um, way to see things locally. I do think it's important that we know that, um, you know, there's Airbnb is, is and that whole concept is not without its faults. Of course, of course like, yeah. there's been some controversy mm-hmm. um, with, you know, people buying up a bunch of, uh, you know, investors or, or people that have money buying up a bunch of properties and renting them out and pushing out the local community. So nothing is perfect. Um, but you're right, Lisa, like, I think most of the time, it can be an awesome way to get in and see everything that's local. Um, I'm going to move on to the next tip, which I feel very, pers- very, very strongly about, and I'm sure you do too, which is do not, uh, <laughs> don't exploit the wildlife. Um, so that means different things in different areas of the world. But in Thailand, where I was, that meant elephant rides. Like every single person I would see with a Thailand picture was on an elephant. And I mean, just the whole history, we're not going to get into that. Without, that would take a long time, but it's awful that these animals have been exploited for tourism. And I mean, dolphins in Mexico, like there's there's so many in, dolphins in, in really different areas of the world. Like there's so many different, um, you know, different aspects to that. But don't exploit the wildlife. Just don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Just don't do it. There's no even, you know, I think we are, it's 21st century. We should all know that, you know, wildlife is called wildlife because they need to be uh you know in their own space and given their own privacy and, and they're not for us to exploit and to have fun with you know exactly now one thing we did do because i did want to see elephants is we actually went out of our way so outside of our itinerary we drove i want to say we did like a a two-hour drive there and back but we actually stayed at a wildlife rescue foundation in thailand that had accommodations for people who wanted to experience um, the rescue and and then sort of like go go on their way. So basically, we spent two nights um, and got to get to know the um, the owner of the establishment. Got to see elephants, monkeys, all sorts of different animals that were rescued from previous um, you know riding operations and things like that. So there are ways to see wildlife up up close and personal if you want to but just make sure you're going to a rescue organization that has references like do some googling do a little bit of research but if you're an animal lover like me it doesn't mean that we have to just say no we're never gonna yeah exactly no Uh, and we did something similar in kenya we we visited uh david sheldrick wildlife trust they're rescuing uh, elephant orphans and it's super cute um and yeah you just get a chance to actually we saw how they're feeding little animals like pretty very up close um and yeah again um, I, I don't mean like not to have fun with the animals, you know what I mean? There are like ethical and like uh, nice ways to experience wildlife uh, pretty up close and personal. But um, yeah, you just have to do a little bit of research. And I think right now with the internet, it's very easy to do, honestly. For sure. Um, another thing like it, that's in the same realm is 
make sure you think before you volunteer. Um, and so I've never personally done this, but I've heard of people doing this and it's, it's, it's a relatively big industry where there is, um, there are a lot of people that feel like they need to go overseas and do volunteer trips. And that's awesome. Like it comes from a great place in your heart. However, a lot of times, um, and I'm reading a quote from an article, but it's, it's someone in the industry said the fundamental issue with volunteering is that it can take away from local people. So take away, sorry, take work away from local people and even cause harm um, in the case of working with children as, as you think about orphanages and schools and things like that. So make sure you do some research if you're going to do, um, you know, a, a volunteer trip. Um, I know UNICEF has actually spoken out against some of this, they call it orphanage tourism. I mean, just, just, just do research. Just, you might, it might be coming from a, you know, you, you might think you're, you're doing a great thing, but it might not be great for, for the local community. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I wrote a blog post about it well, a long time ago. Um, but yeah, basically it, it talks about the same thing. It's like volunteering, even though it comes from like, you know, nice, kind place in our hearts, not, it's not always a great idea. So for example, in the after natural disasters, like, you know, the earthquake in Haiti, for example, back in the, uh, like what, almost a decade ago now or 12 years ago. Yeah. People are like, Oh, how can I help? Can I just get on the ground and uh, volunteer there? It's like, no, actually, as unsexy and boring as it, it sounds, um, the most sustainable and responsible way to help in um, in the case, for example, with natural disasters is just plain cash, hard cash. I know it doesn't sound exciting, but it actually it makes the most sense because, again, there are people on the ground um, you know, first of all, local people on the ground, but also a lot of specialists from international nonprofits in general. So unless you have like a very specific skill set that there is, you can't hire on the ground, uh, you can't hire local people to do it. Um, the answer is it's better not to, uh, you know, spend your time. Volunteering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think it's just a good thing for people to think about, like, just, just do a little bit of research. Um, another tip was cruises. So I've never been on a cruise. It's something that Oh, okay. Well, so it's one of those things that I've always been sort of cautiously interested in doing. Um, but I did a little bit of research before we did this because I was interested in cruises specifically. And they're just not, the more and more research I did, the more I came to realize that it's not a good thing for the environment. So it's, someone said, there's this quote that literally said, they said, I think that cruises are the worst kind of mass tourism there is. Consumption taken to its extreme. So this person was talking specifically about many things. One is, um, and I, I read about this too, workers that work for these big cruise companies are not paid well and they're not treated well. And oftentimes cruise companies that seem like they're American companies are actually based in countries that don't have labor laws. So when you can see this when you look out at cruise ships, they'll be flying the flag of their home port. And most of the time it's not the U.S. because they are, you know, it's a dodging game. It's awful. Um, there's also just ways that cruises are not doing well in terms of recycling and just like overall waste that they that they do. Um, and then another thing I thought was interesting is like a lot of cruises are designed to just like keep you on the property, which is similar to like an all-inclusive resort, which is another thing that can be iffy because staying 100% on a property means that you're 
you're you're not spreading your money into the local economy as much as you would be if you ventured off. That's not to say that like an all-inclusive resort is not hiring people in the area. I'm sure they are, but if you were to potentially venture out of that resort or off that cruise ship um, to go into that local, um, you know, local restaurant like we talked about earlier, that's a better way to spend time if you are on you know, one of these uh, cruises. Yeah, and I think, yeah, you you mentioned in the very beginning, it's like cruises, the whole idea, the experience of cruises is about overconsumption. And I have like a silly example, but um, I'm a huge fan of Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, it's a TV show back from the 90s, but there's this... Oh my God. Uh, yeah, it's embarrassing, <laughs> but whatever, I'll, um, I'll put it out there. So one of the episodes is how um, Raymond, you know, gets tickets for his parents and then his father pretends that he breaks his leg or something and basically gets uh, gets away from going with his wife. So Raymond goes with his mother to the cruise and basically, you know, she's enjoying herself doing all of these activities, right? Like you have just like 24-7 schedule of activities there, but Raymond is so bored and he's just like eating. He's like eating oyster buffet, eating crab buffet, eating drinks buffet. Like all he does is basically eating. It's like after two days, he's like, five pounds heavier but uh, this is kind of like a metaphor uh like for you know the whole cruise experience and exaggeration but i think in many cases it's true yeah i mean (laughs) i've not seen that episode i don't really watch it show that much that's fine now we know that you're like a secret everybody loves raymond uh (laughs) man you've been outed on on this podcast (laughs) but no you're right i think that that's a, a good anecdote to how cruises can be crazy so um, one last tip we want to kind of end with was the broader um, idea of making sure that you're traveling to a destination that you want to support. So it's the concept of like an ethical destination. So there's a there's a site called Ethical Traveler that has made a list of the most ethical developing countries. So they they make that list from you know a few different criteria. So like whether or not the country promotes human rights, whether or not they preserve the environment, whether or not they support social welfare and et cetera, et cetera, like just trying to create a good tourism environment alongside all of these things. Um, So I think it's important to know that. And I'm not saying that, um, you know, you have to go to a place that ticks all of the boxes, but I do think it's something that's important to know, both for your peace of mind and also just for, for making the world a better place. Yeah, and um, they actually have a podcast too, so you guys should check them out. Ethical, if you're interested in ethical uh, traveling topic. But yeah, maybe we can just mention quickly um, the winners of their list in terms of countries where you can travel is Benin, Costa Rica, Ecuador, Fiji, Mongolia, Nepal, Palau, the Gambia, and Uruguay. And you can read a bit more about, of course, they explain to you what is their criteria and things, but yeah, just so you know. And of course, there's so much more information on their website. That's awesome. Yeah. So we'll link to that in the show notes. But I think, you know, like we like we always talk about in every episode, there's a spectrum. Um, We want to make sure that we leave you with actionable tips um, and and ways that you can make a difference. Um, But also realize that, you know, nobody is perfect. Um, You're not going to be able to tick all these boxes. We're not telling you that you should. But it's something that's worth thinking about. And it's also something that's worth having a conversation about once you get home. So when you're done with your trip, you come home. I think it's important to talk about like why you made certain choices. When I got done with our trip from Thailand, we had a ton of people ask if we did that elephant ride. And that for me was a good opportunity to just talk about like why that's not the best thing for elephants and why it's not great to do and support. And there's a way to do it. 
um, where you don't sound you don't sound like you're trying to um, you know make someone feel bad or sound like a know it all or whatever. Like just be just be um, excited, be be organic in the way you talk about things, and you know this is the way that we change the world. We we just get we get people on board, right? Yeah, exactly. And you're absolutely right. I remember like when, uh, you know, it's like the way you were talking about it, like, it's just like you, you were talking about like all the awesome, interesting activities you did because of your research that you did beforehand and you're so good at it. And like, it just makes me excited. And basically what you are doing, you're doing like, um, research for me. Right. So like, I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll just copy exactly your exactly vacation just because, you know, uh, you already did the research and, um, it's all ethical and sustainable and really interesting. It's like super easy. Yeah. It, that, it didn't sound at all. Like, you know, it's like position it as a, like a more interesting things to do. And then like the elephant question, <laughs> the elephant in the room will come out. Oh gosh. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things, you know, so, so we're building out the content portion of brightly um, our platform and brightly will have a, a whole section dedicated to ethical travel. And we're excited to put some um, itineraries for you to, to utilize. And we'll do that research for you eventually. Um, but yeah, so I think this is about about all the time we had to chat, but I well, I think we should do another episode on this, particularly um, when we get to the holiday season, because people oh, are going to yeah. be doing a lot more travel too. So we will put, uh, bring this back up. Um, one thing that I want to mention is we're testing out a new format where we actually have the audience call in and ask questions to us. Um, so that's all going to be in our podcast, uh, you know, show notes and our podcast landing page. So if you go to podcast.brightly.eco, there's a link on there, click that link and you can actually send us um, a voice message up to three minutes where you ask us questions about something that we talked about in an episode, or maybe ask us a question about something that we didn't get into. Um, we'd love to hear from you. If you're a brand owner, you can use that time to tell us a little bit more about your brand. But we'd love to make this more of a community-driven podcast. We use our Facebook group. Make sure you go join our Facebook group so you can engage with us, us there. But we want to make this your podcast and something that we all contribute together. I love it. Yeah, I'm all about interaction. You know, it's fun to talk to you, Laura, of course, but we want to hear from you. You know, it's our first episode. So we're always so open to all those ideas and questions. I'm sure there's experts out there about sustainability, environmentalism, and all of that stuff. Uh, I'm looking forward to hear from them and just you uh, with questions, uh, on some super simple uh, tips and hacks that you have. And um, maybe we, while we're at it, we should probably mention that we have, um, we'll probably Probably have a more formal announcement, but we do have an, uh, an event coming um, in San Francisco on October 13th. So we probably will share more details about it later. What do you think, Laura? Yeah, absolutely. So the, yeah, that's going to be a live event where we're going to do a podcast um, with, with the audience participation in San Francisco, October 13th. We'll talk more about that in our next episode. Um, but for now, if you go to our page at podcast.brightly.eco, there's a little bit of information there. And if you sign up to our mailing list, we will email you when we start selling tickets. So yeah. super excited to get into that in the next episode. Thanks, everybody, very much for joining us. And thank you, Lisa, for the conversation. It was yes. awesome. I'll chat with you later. Awesome. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Good Together. 
Don't forget to go to podcast.brightly.eco for show notes, links to articles that we discussed, and even have the opportunity to call in to our next episode. Finally, we're on Instagram and Facebook at brightly.eco. Make sure to join us there for the conversation.